Hey, welcome to the uh, program. We've got uh, just a boatload of stuff that uh, we covered today that I think you're going to like and really kind of put some things into perspective. Then we've talked to a couple of people that are fighting back. Can you believe the Masterpiece Cake guy is back in court again? He has been fighting the battle of, I won't make that cake for you, but I want Satan on the cake. I'm not going to make it. He's back in uh, in front of a court again. Ten years of his life, just gone. Um, also, we talk a little bit about what's happening with Ron DeSantis and Disney, and this could be bad for Ron DeSantis, and we explain... Um, We also touch base on the shooting of April 15th of this year, one of the worst shootings in American history. Four people killed, all teenagers, four of them killed, 32 injured, four of those critical. Okay, It happened in April 15th in Alabama. I don't even know if I, I don't even know if we even reported on it. It was so invisible. How can, in this climate, when we're still talking about what happened in Nashville, how is it that no one's talking about this shooting? Oh, wait until you hear the details on this. All this and more coming up. Here's today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. the name of that big report that we were waiting to come out right and then it never came out and yeah i believe we're still waiting i mean comes out in dribs and drabs but we're still waiting for the final report i can't even remember the name of that report now okay and everybody was like wait until the higgins report is finished <laughs> do you did anybody on the staff even That's remember right. do you remember sarah what was it Durham. The Durham report. The Durham report. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Durham report. I think I could remember more of Bull Durham than the Durham report and what it was supposed to show. It's amazing how these things get buried. And there's another. This is such a huge story. This is so much bigger than Watergate. What's happening now with the um, ex CIA spy that wanted to stop Donald Trump from being president and so crafted the letter uh, to say that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. And then as political operatives, they got everybody to sign it. Devin Nunes is uh, with us now. He he joins us, a former U.S. congressman. He was on the front line of all of this stuff. Now he's at Truth Social. He's the CEO. Devin, how are you? Hey, Glenn, it's great to be with you this morning. Oh, my gosh. How glad are you to be out of this cesspool? <laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, out of the frying pan and into the fryer. You know, <laughs> well, over at Truth Social, it's just daily attacks. It's yeah. Like bot attacks from foreign countries, then it's... Uh, being attacked by the fake news or or by the Biden administration or, you know, you name it. 
So when you were there, you were you were really leading a lot of these things and really doing hard work to uncover. And, you know, of course, you were a conspiracy theorist and everything else. <clears throat> and everything that you talked about, we've talked about um, has turned out to be true and worse. This Michael Michael Morell thing. Uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, I remember Glenn, when I was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee doing a long interview with you on your show, I think we went, I don't know what it, what, what it was for, but it, it went like almost 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And um, I remember you saying, this really can't be true, is it? You know, you, we were going back and forth mm-hmm. uh, talking about it. And the only thing that I would correct you on is that the whole idea of the Durham report was a fake narrative that was built by the deep state to say that, oh, Durham's just going to do a report. Durham's just going to do a report. Durham's just going to do a report. And nobody really listened to me at the time, even though I was the guy that uncovered all this. I said, I don't give a damn about a report. I only want to see people go to jail. Amen. We made, four, we made 14 criminal referrals, um, of which you've seen Durham's been able to bring three indictments, one pled guilty, two walked, which is a whole nother problem with our two-tier justice system, because if it was Glenn Beck oh, yeah. or God. Devin Nunes being tried in Washington, D.C., we would have been, uh, you know, the, the trial would have lasted, the jury would have met right. for about 12 seconds, and then we would have got the maximum penalty uh, by the judge. So it's really, this, this has been really damaging to our country that this, it was kind of the start of it, you know, when they, they were willing to, go one step beyond just having political operatives do stupid political operative things that everybody knows. Oh, it's an October surprise. Aha. Versus, Oh, this is an October surprise. And Oh, wow. The department of justice is involved in this much, much different when they're willing to weaponize the intelligence and justice system in this country. So what do you think it means that they're willing to openly admit this? I mean, it, it, Explain to me how I'm wrong. This is the intelligence community colluding with the Biden campaign through Anthony Blinken to obstruct the truth to help a candidate. That is the worst of the worst. I mean, that's yes. worse than Watergate by far. By, by, yeah, uh, yeah, it's not even close. But let's take this deep state actor. So Morell was a guy that got a, that, that we questioned after Benghazi because remember he was involved in writing the talking points. I had forgot about this. Oh my gosh! He wrote the talking points, and he was the deputy CIA director at the time, right? And it was and it was kind of like explained by the media. The narrative at the time was, oh. well, this is a career guy. He just made a mistake. And then, you know, I remember we questioned him and he says, oh, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have done that that way, blah, whatever. Well, then totally missed it. And look, and I'm the one who did the Russia hoax because there was so much fake news involved in all this. So we kind of just it got glossed over. But Morell also participated early on in the Russia hoax. So here you had a guy, the CIA knew it was fake, knew it was phony, knew it was ginned up by the Clinton campaign. But Morell pins an op-ed in the New York Times mm-hmm. that, that was essentially alluding that Trump had these Russia problems, you know, right. be on the lookout for it. Now, look, nobody paid attention to any of that stuff in 2016. 
it died quickly because it was a joke. Nobody believed it. They tried to they tried to spin up this Russia stuff on Trump in 16, and it just died. And then they went on to the Billy Bush tapes. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then remember how this all then how this got resurrected? It was because after the election, when Trump stuns everybody and wins in 2016, they said, "Oh, what the hell are we going to do now?" And Comey and and Obama and all of them said, "Well." We're going to go all in. We're going to put the justice system, the Justice Department, the FBI, we're going after Trump. And they did that a couple weeks after Trump won in 2016. And we, and have, course, we have records of, course, of that. We know who was in that meeting. I mean, it's it's amazing. And Susan Wright leaves that meeting and she's like, we did nothing wrong in this meeting. It was <laughs> it was yeah, like, exactly. what are you for? So, because like, Glenn, don't you normally uh, like when I get off your radio show, you just pin something down. Talk to Devin Nunes. We did nothing wrong. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. We didn't break the law or do anything wrong that would be suspicious, even. Um, so, so here he is, um, a CIA chief. He is colluding with uh, Anthony a- Anthony Blinken, who is uh, at the time high up in the Biden campaign, Morell says, I didn't even think of this until I talked to Blinken. So you have the you have the campaign reaching out to the CIA. And he said, I got the idea from Blinken and I did it and I wouldn't have done it without Blinken. Yeah. So 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 what <laughs> happens in as best as I can describe it, and this is where Morell's the least of the problems here. Okay, so Morell is, you know, outside. He's on the outside now. I assume he still holds a security clearance. Many of those 51 signers still hold a security clearance. They're in high level positions for likely government contractors. You know, they work there. They sit on boards of these big defense uh, companies that provide um, uh, intelligence and products to to our military industrial complex. So what what happens here is Morell. Um, is the guy that they, you know, he's the go-to guy, right? He's the fix-it guy because he did it in Benghazi. He did it in Russia. Oh, this is definitely the guy we can do it. Now, look, he's trying to move up in the Soviet-style apparatchik system. He just wants to be CIA director so badly. That's Morell's story. So he was always willing to do anything that the left wanted him wanted them to do. So when Blinken calls him, who's at the Biden Penn Center, no less, at the time. Wow. And in, in, in 2020, so and says, hey, we got this coming out. We need some help here. Morell, can you help us? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's get a letter. Okay, where's the letter? Okay, here. And then they go get 51 of probably the most respected names on the left. Everybody knows them as, as, as left guys, left-wing guys, but, you know, relatively well-respected, former CIA directors, et cetera, sure. et cetera four-star generals, that sort of thing. And Morell uh, goes on, on the request of Blinken to do this now, and they do it. And of course, it's all a lie. It's all a scam. They know it's a lie. Now, the biggest problem here, Glenn, that we have, Blinken gets rewarded for this. Uh-huh. And he is now, people don't re- realize the secretary of state position is often seen uh, in not only in the United States of America and in Washington, but around the world as the number three position in the entire government of the United States. Oh, yeah. Big time, big time. You know, it's a position not, you know, it's not always in the news. It's not something new domestically people see a lot, but 
But, you know, that is our voice. It's the, the head of our foreign service. So, and by the way, um, the head of the Afghanistan debacle, too, the State Department was put in charge of that, of the uh, evacuation over the Pentagon. It was crazy. Um, well, if you, put, if you put political actors, leftists, in that couldn't find their way out of a paper bag, you get disasters. Yes. And we've seen it over and over again. And don't forget, okay, yeah, Afghanistan's bad enough. What about Ukraine? That's turning into a disaster. What about nobody's paying attention to Sudan? Right? I was. I was no, not, not the that they aren't paying attention. They are just letting those Americans rot. Just, ah, you know what? You're going to have to get out on your own. We told you you shouldn't go there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and one of them is a, is, is a teacher, uh, as I understand it, that was there working for the government. So a lot of times when we have foreigners overseas, we have a, a school system for the ki- the children of those of those people that are working on behalf of the United States government. As I understand it, one of them is a teacher, so they're saying, "Oh, there's no U.S. personnel there." Well, that poor lady's only there because she was part of the servicing the the Americans that were in Sudan. Mm. Anyway, I mean, it, it's just that this guy's overseeing one debacle after another, and 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 none of these. What I've said over and over again, anyone who signed that letter, all 51 of them, not only should they never hold another government job in their lifetime, they shouldn't have a security clearance, not one of them. So, you know, we're living in a time where the Congress can refer anybody to, you know, take action against. I asked, I asked uh, a congressman, I said, why, why aren't you going after these guys who have lied under oath? And he said, because all we can do is give it to the Justice Department, and then they decide if they're going to prosecute or not. Is that really is that really the way this works, and there's no way around that? Well, look, I mean, you know, you know as well as anybody how the legislative branch works. I, I don't know specifically what, you know, what you're referring to, but what, the, what they really have to do is, is not only make referrals, but they have to continue to dig and dig. And, it's, and it, look, it's very frustrating. I mean, look, I uncovered all of this dirt, you know, with our team and, you know, and you see, like we said, we like we talked about Durham. Now, Durham's still going, but clearly he's being limited. But I always say that, you know, the Congress doesn't have, they don't have guns. They don't have badges. They can't go arrest somebody, but they've got to pin these guys down, right? Like they can't just let this morale and Blinken thing go. And I know it's hard, and this is going to be the challenge, is that you, and I get it, I was there, I was one of those, those congressman guys. Um, you know, it's tough. You got you to gotta work with, you got to work with the State Department. You got to work with all these, with the, with the executive branch. They have things that, that, you have things that you need for your constituents. You know, you want to try to make the government function, and it's human nature not to want to have that conflict. Correct. But the thing is, is that we are living in a dystopian world that's getting mm-hmm. worse. And what I tell my colleagues, you know, the, my former colleagues is, is guys, this is not, you know, you know, maybe in 15 and 16, you could play that way. You can't play that way today, knowing how they've weaponized the government. You oh. have to pin these people down yeah. and you have to continue to subpoena every single person around them. And you've got to publicize the criminal referrals. Imagine how if, you know, the, the old saying is. One generation, what they tolerate, the next one embraces. And look at what we're tolerating. If we don't stop tolerating this stuff, 
when we fully embrace this corruption, we absolutely are Venezuela. It's it's nasty. Devin, thank you, you know, so much. Yep, it absolutely, is, Glenn. It's good to talk thank to you, you, and I'd love to have you on uh, more often. You've got a great perspective on things. Thank you so much. Hey, Glenn. Thank, great to be with you. Thank you. you. Devin Nunes from uh, Truth Social. He's the CEO and former U.S. congressman. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Uh, Jack Phillips is with us, along with Matt Sharp. He is uh, from the ADF Alliance Defending Freedom. He's senior counsel, been on the program before. Jack, welcome back to the program. I I wish we didn't have to do this all over again. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Beck. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yeah. uh, Can I ask you? I think this is the worst theft I've ever seen in my life. These people have stolen 10 years of your life. Uh, how are you dealing with that, Jack? Well, we're grateful to have ADF there beside us through this whole thing. But I just want to make it clear that uh, the people that are suing me, I welcome in my shop. I welcome everybody who comes into my shop at Masterpiece Cake Shop, but I just can't express every message that people ask us to create with our custom cakes. And that was the case over 10 years ago now when two men came in and asked me to uh, create a cake to celebrate their wedding. And it was a, a view of wedding that goes against my beliefs what weddings is weddings are. And so I told them, you know, I'll sell you other cakes, other custom cakes, sell you anything in my shop, cookies, brownies, but I just can't create a cake for a same-sex wedding that goes against my faith. And they they stormed out of my shop, uh, swearing at me, flipping me off, went to the state, filed a complaint, the state sued me, and that case ended up at the U.S. Supreme Court, like you know, and we won seven to two. Um, the day that the court granted our case, so um, an attorney here in Colorado called us up and asked us to create a cake that was blue on the outside and pink on the inside, and then we were informed that those colors were symbolic of changing gender, from changing from a man to a woman. So we told this attorney that uh, we would be glad to serve other custom cakes, create other custom cakes, serve them in any way that we would serve anybody else. But the cake expressed a message that I didn't want to create. And so that person sued us through the state. That went forward and then I uh, was dismissed. And now we're in the same lawsuit with the same person in a civil case. And we lost the first two rounds. And so ADF has uh, asked the uh, state Supreme Court to hear our case. And so we're waiting for the results of that. Jack, I got to go back to my first question. Sure. <laughs> How are you doing this? Ten years. Do you, I mean, I know you're a believer. I know you're doing things because you really, truly believe that this is wrong. And I, I can't thank you enough as a citizen for doing this. But do you ever get to a point where you're like, I can't take it? No, um, this is the right thing to do. It's, it's a, a big fight, and it is for every American because free speech is for everyone. Um, and we're hoping that this court will overturn it. But again, like I said, with ADF uh, backing us up and knowing that we have the best legal team that you could possibly have in a situation like this is, is um, reassuring. Uh, so let me go to Matt. Matt, tell me what this case is is looking at why it went civil and why you're having a hard time or he had a hard time before you guys came on board. 
Yeah, well, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the Supreme Court ruled for Jack, but focused on the hostility that Colorado was showing to Jack, where it was comparing his beliefs about marriage to being no different than those of Nazis and and those responsible for the Holocaust. And so the Supreme Court didn't get to that core question of can Colorado force artists like Jack to speak a message to support a cause or idea that violates that their belief. And that's what we're fighting for now, is we want that definitive ruling to say the, the Constitution clearly protects the speech of every American, and including... But isn't that, what the first, like Jack. isn't that what the first Supreme Court decision said? No, they didn't go all the way there. They, they just focused on that <sighs> hostility and sort of yeah, say, save the bigger question for another day. And so we're litigating it now on Jack. We've got a, another case, Lori Smith of 303 Creative, that's at the U.S. Supreme Court challenging the same Colorado law. So we're hopeful that we are going to get that ruling that's going to put an end once and for all to these, um, these vexatious challenges against Jack and, and allow him to go back to doing what he loves to do. I, I, I go back to, you know, I think is I think 10 years have been stolen. Stolen? Stole. That's a word. That's right. The right word, right? <laughs> yes. That's Sorry. A word. We, it's also a bread, so we should ask <laughs> Jack about it. Um, but uh, I, I just think is, I, I, you know, it, there, there's, there's at some point should be a penalty for people who are intentionally trying to destroy someone's life just to make a point. Yeah, and, and especially with this case. I mean, the, the person doing this, this activist attorney, admitted that if this case was thrown out, come back in the next day and ask for another cake that they know Jack could not do because of his beliefs. And we're bringing that point out. We're raising awareness that this was a setup, that this was an effort to try and punish and harass Jack because of his beliefs, and we're not going to stand for it. Yeah, can't you, can, can you counter-sue at all on this? I mean, this is harassment. This is harassment. Yeah, well, that's why we're hopeful that the Colorado Supreme Court is going to shut this down once and for all and make sure that these types of claims can't be brought anymore against Jack or others like him. And how is the what's the makeup of the Colorado Supreme Court? Well, you know, whoa, oh, whoa. Boy. <laughs> uh, you know, we've been through this process before the first time around, and, and uh, they, they didn't show willingness to stand for the Constitution and uh, uphold Jack's free speech rights. But we're hopeful that uh, they'll see what this delegation is doing to him and how this is being, like you said, the harassment and these laws are being misused to punish Jack and try and coerce him because of his beliefs. And what happens if the Colorado courts turn you away and say, nope, we side with the, uh, uh, what is it, the plaintiff. Um, we side with the guys who want the cake, and the Supreme Court just doesn't take his case. What happens to Jack then? You know, it could be ruinous for him. Um, it, it could have severe impacts, but this is where we're optimistic, um, that if not the Colorado Supreme Court, then we are going to ask the U.S. Supreme Court, and, and we're hopeful that whether it's in Jack's case or Lori Smith's case, as I mentioned, that's pending there, that we are going to get the Supreme Court to reaffirm that you can't force Americans to speak messages to support causes that they disagree with. It's amazing. Uh, Matt, thank you for being there. ADF, you guys do so much. Uh, and if it wasn't for you, I mean, people are having a hard time finding attorneys now. Because the attorney firm will be hassled, and so that's just not worth the headache to 
stand up and defend the Bill of Rights. So thank you for everything you guys do. I will say to Jack, uh, you know, I, I find it very difficult to come to a conclusion on this case without tasting these baked goods for myself. Yeah, I, you know, right? I don't know. I, how, how I mean, I we... think it would only be fair if we got mm-hmm. some baked goods from time to time from Jack. But uh, no, he's, he's <laughs> like, he's like, I'm not you will purchase you. the baked goods. <laughs> we will not send them to you. Uh, more important things, yeah. hand, I suppose. Jack, sincerely, thank you for standing. You're God puts you in the right place at the right time. I'm kidding. Yeah. Thanks for allowing us to share our story and, and hopefully uh, encourage other people to uh, do what's right. Because like I said earlier, free speech is for everyone. These cases are not just about me and my cake shop. They're about every American. God bless you. And so we're hopeful for a good result. Thank you very much, Jack. Jack Phillips, masterpiece cake shop, 10 years incredible of dealing with this poor guy has just been beaten down i mean at some point i mean just as a human you would have to say i i mean i just want to make cakes how much time has has been again holiday stolen from him how much time has been taken from this man and there's got to be times when you're just like, I, I mean, I know he is, he is sincere in his faith. Oh, and that, that's incredibly that's, clear. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why, you know, God put him in the right place. They're picking on the wrong guy because this guy, he is clear. How many of us have that kind of faith? It's, almost, it's so hard because there's such a pragmatic cost to it for him. You know, he, his life is being destroyed, and you know, you can tell that he really cares about this. But you know, after six months, it would be really hard to keep going. It's just, I don't know, just make the cake. You know, I mean, that has to. I know if if I'm running this cake shop, uh, first of all, it's probably very much losing money because I'm eating all the goods. <laughs> but secondarily, I think it would be you. I would that would definitely cross my mind if I felt the way he did. I, I would be like, all right. You know, this is ridiculous. I, I'm going to ruin my entire life over this. I, I would move to a friendlier state. Right, you'd move to a friendlier state. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd, you'd close down your shop. You'd, there'd be a hundred things that would cross your mind. And every time we've talked to him, I've never really had the sense that that has been the case with him. He's no. always been just like, I'm just going to hold Because, I mean, when strong. you have that kind of faith, you know that you should expect persecution. You're standing against evil. Yeah. And of course you're going to be a target. And, you know, hopefully Jack in a way looks at it as a badge of honor. I mean, that guy's earning his place in the history books and he's earning his place in the afterworld. Um, I mean, he still believes in that sky God and the afterworld. Oh, Boy, no. is he going to be surprised when he wakes up in the coffin? Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's how it works at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Jack Phillips. He was clear he was not sending us baked goods, though, I will say. That, that did yeah, not, that was, that was very not clear. He, he was freezing us out. Do you remember when goods. Tony Bennett was on uh, my show? And we he had a live orchestra, and I had an hour with him, and he would... <laughs> play his music yeah. and i asked him at the end i said i can't have tony bennett on without you know asking you to do your most famous song but i mean if you're sick of doing it you don't have to I'm trying to be nice to him sure and uh, I, and he said what song are you talking about and i said 
you know, I left my heart in San Francisco. And he said, why wouldn't I like? And he just like snapped on me. He went, got angry. He got really angry. Why wouldn't I like that song? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. I was just trying to be nice. I was just trying to give you an out on that. Uh, and I got that vibe from Jack a little bit when you said, I want free baked goods. I feel like he might now, if I went in there to purchase him, he might kick me out of the cake yeah, shop. He might there say, might be I'm a whole not, other suit here. I might be suing I, him. I, I, I won't make anything for you. Get out. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program up in Michigan. I read a story yesterday that middle school students there have filed a suit after uh, the school forces them to take off their Let's Go Brandon sweatshirts. Uh, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression attorney uh, known as FIRE, and you can find them at thefire.org. Um, Connor Fitzpatrick is uh, joining us with us because these guys are minors protecting their anonymity. They're not going to be on with us, but we're going to talk to Patrick about this case. He's fighting it uh, up in Michigan. Hello, Patrick. How are you? Or Connor? How are you, Patrick? Good morning. Great. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks. So, Connor, um, is this inconsistent with their dress code? Uh, you know, how, how can they file suit if there is a dress code that says you can't wear things that cause attention being brought to you or disruptive? So the dress code provision that the school is relying on to ban these Let's Go Brandon hoodies says that you're not allowed to wear vulgar or profane clothing. That's what the school is relying on. But of course, these hoodies aren't vulgar. They aren't profane. No. Now, they're, they're a cultural reference to a different chant, which admittedly you can't say at school. Kids right. can't drop the F-bomb in class. We all agree with that. But these students aren't doing that. They are intentionally using a sanitized, non-vulgar, non-profane slogan in order to get their point across. And that's squarely protected by the First Amendment. So what is the school saying? When you, when you filed suit with them, what did the school say? We have not heard anything from <laughs> the school or the school district since we filed suit, other than that they acknowledged my email when I emailed the lawsuit to them. And did did the parents reach out? How did this how did this come to be a suit? How many kids are involved? And uh, were the did the parents reach out to the school first and try to get you know answers or or you know some open minds on this? So we have two students who are plaintiffs in our case, both of whom were ordered by the school district to remove Let's Go Brandon sweatshirts. And the ironic thing about all of this is this shouldn't have required a lawsuit. Last year, through attorneys, the parents uh, wrote to the school district, set out the pertinent Supreme Court law and the First Amendment law and said, hey, you have to allow these hoodies. They're protected by the First Amendment. Unfortunately, the school doubled down. They dug their heels in, and that's why we're in federal court. Jeez. And your thoughts on the case and ramifications if you win or lose? My thoughts on the case are, admittedly, I'm a little bit biased, but I think these hoodies are squarely protected by the First Amendment. You know, a little more than 50 years ago, the Supreme Court decided the major student speech case. It's called Tinker versus Des Moines. And their middle school students, like these kids, went to school and they wore black armbands to protest the Vietnam War. Mm. 
Mm. And the Supreme Court held that as long as the students aren't being disruptive, as long as they aren't disrupting lessons, kids have a First Amendment right to peacefully express their political views in school. And what schools can't do and what the school's doing here is playing favorites, allowing some students to express their political views, their social views, but stopping other students from expressing theirs. And it's really amazing to me that, you know, once you get into college, the entire system is trying to teach you to stand up and uh, protest and disrupt. And it's now in our, our middle schools and elementary schools as well. But here the schools are saying, no, 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 you can't disrupt. You can't do that. When everything on the left is all about chaos and disruption. So under the Supreme Court's precedent, as long as students aren't being disruptive, you're not allowed to stand up and start chanting protests in class. We all agree with that. And that's the ironic thing about this case, Glenn, is that the school has never contended that these kids were being disruptive. They were going about their day, doing their schoolwork, going from class to class, and they just happened to be wearing a Let's Go Brandon hoodie. But the school singled them out and ordered them to remove their sweatshirts based on the political message that they wish to express. And that's where the Constitution gets involved. Talking to Connor Fitzpatrick, uh, Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Uh, You can find him at thefire.org. Connor, tell me if this uh, if, if you lose this case, what are the ramifications And if you win this case, does it go further than just this school? So we certainly hope we certainly hope we don't lose. Uh, If if we do, I think there's a good chance we'll take it to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals and higher if we need to. But the overall point of this case and the overall importance of the First Amendment in public schools is that we should be encouraging young people, not discouraging them. We should be encouraging them to engage in political expression, to talk about the issues with their friends. And if it causes a debate or an argument, so much for the better. You know, Glenn, we count on our schools to prepare our kids for real life. That's what we always say. Schools should prepare kids for real life. Well, in real life, people are going to disagree with them. Mm-hmm. They're going to have neighbors and coworkers and even elected officials who don't think or talk or even pray the same way they do. So the earlier they start getting exposed to views that they disagree with and start having those discussions, that's what's going to prepare them for a productive life as an American citizen. And I have to tell you, there is no education without an honest search of all sides and without friction, you know, opposition in all things. That's biblical. There is opposition in all things, and it's necessary And you will never sharpen a knife without the opposition of the stone. You will never educate your children unless they are occasionally offended. I mean, I I think the best teachers are the ones that will take uh, one side and really argue and push the kids up against the wall and then halfway through switch sides and argue hard the other way. That's the only way you are ever challenged to think for yourself. That, that's absolutely right, Glenn. Our schools are not assembly lines of conformity. We leave that to China and we leave that to Russia. We encourage our American students to think critically about their own views, to consider the possibility that they might be wrong. Yeah. Because that's how you put your views to the test. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Connor. Thank you for having me. You bet. Connor uh, Fitzpatrick from thefire.org. Na, 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 na.